you train for so long in medical school to think about individual patient medicine, but then you end up practicing for the majority of your professional career not in that exact way that you were trained. And, um, you know, I'm still trying to think about how do I balance a little bit of um, individual patient medicine with public health medicine. Um, and I think that will be an ongoing thing that I kind of work through for myself in terms of what is the right balance for me. Um, but I, I think that's kind of where I'm at in terms of uh, the, the drivers for, for why I do any work is thinking about determinants of health, is thinking about health and social equity. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. In the previous episode, Will, Linda, and Ben welcome Dr. Yiping Ge to the podcast to share his knowledge and passion for the public health and preventative medicine specialty. In the second part of their discussion, they shift the conversation to talk about the role of PHPMs in global health, public health, and advocacy for public policy. This is where they left off. Following kind of a, a strand that Yiping already uh, alluded to earlier, it's um, kind of about your journey into PHPM. I think it's almost we're almost do, doing this a bit backwards, but taking a step back here, um, you know, what made you ultimately decide on this specialty over all other specialties? Um, you know, I'm sure it's a mixture of academic experiences, whether in undergrad or in med, med school, extracurriculars, lived experiences, um, a, a multitude of factors. And I'm sure, you know, we all kind of come to this field of public health in our own ways. But yeah, but I think um, we, we'd love to hear kind of what was what ultimately led you to, to PHPM. Thanks for the question, Will. I, I mean, I think you've answered the question for me. It's that, in that it's like a mishmash of all those things. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's for, well. I mean, I mean, for for speak for me personally, I, I find it hard to kind of pinpoint specific uh, moments and experiences. I think it was really this accumulation or cumulative experience over over all of my professional formal but then also informal training like all of my conversations with with um you know people that mattered a lot in my life and um and and what i value and and how i saw myself uh, contributing um uh, and it sounds cheesy, but contributing to the world essentially, um, like where where I saw my own professional identity um, in terms of uh, aligning with the values that um, uh, that that makes sense to me and and the 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 moral compass I guess that um, I've uh, uh, have to this day and continue to sh- be shaped by lots of great people around me. I mean. Um, I, I think it's a um, it's a privilege to be able to think through um, is the work that um, I'm doing um, meaningful and fulfilling, um, and and that's uh, a challenge that I think um, so many people um, uh, go through, uh, so many young people go through in terms of finding where they see their uh, own identity making sense in, in the world of today um i mean for myself i i um you know it, it goes back to 
uh, and, and I've t told this story a few times in, in, in where uh, after high school, I, I applied to all these different undergrad programs and, um, and, and then I went into the only health-related one that I ended up choosing, uh, training at uh, McMaster University. And then, then I, I was introduced to like lots of concepts of determinants of health, health equity, and, uh, and social equity, and um, indigenous health in the context of Hamilton and Six Nations. And uh, a lot of those things made me eager, but also frustrated and wanting to learn more and wanting to do more. And I think that put me in a place of, of thinking more ar around uh, the, the professional identity of someone who is in public health. I, I almost went and did uh, a public health after uh, my undergrad. Um, uh, and I was trying to like learn about and practice a little bit of public health at an international level when I was interning at the World Health Organization. And, and the opportunity to go into medical school came up for me and I decided to, to take it and um, see where that would take me. So I, I put kind of that public health um, option on the side a little bit and I didn't know about the field of PHPM when I entered medical school and um, was very open to various fields of medicine and found myself really liking and loving a lot of different fields. So very much I, I felt found myself um, a generalist uh, when it comes to clinical individual patient medicine. And then the more and more I learned about um, public health and, and preventive medicine is thinking so broad in terms of um, some of the com complexities that these um, really challenging issues um, that we face as communities and face as peoples in lots of different ways. Um, to be able to have the, the tools and the skill sets and um, the networks and um, uh, to be able to work with so many different people from outside of the medical profession, I think just really excited me about PHPM and, and hence why I think I found uh, the right fit um, over um, a lot of back and forth. It, it was not a uh, easy decision by far because um, I think it's strange to think that uh, for a lot of PHPM uh, um, specialists out there in the world, um, I, I mean, I, it's probably <laughs> uh, uh, a term only used in Canada, I recognize. Um, I think in the States they, they call it like community medicine or they call it um, something else. Um, I mean, it used to be called community medicine in Canada as well. Uh, that you train for so long in medical school to think about individual patient medicine, but then you end up practicing for the majority of your professional career not in that exact way that you were trained. And, um, you know, I'm still trying to think about how do I balance a little bit of um, individual patient medicine with public health medicine. Um, and I think that will be an ongoing thing that I kind of work through for myself in terms of what is the right balance for me. Um, but I think that's kind of where I'm at in terms of uh, the the drivers for, for why I do any work is thinking about determinants of health, is thinking about health and social equity. And um, how do I bring that to all the experiences that I have the privilege of, of being a part of. Um, uh, so I think uh, PHPM is a means 
to an end that will forever be um, kind of evolving. Because um, we know that anyone's professional career is is not a static one, and mm-hmm. it's not it's never a linear one. And uh, and then I also recognize too uh, the immense privilege it is to be able to reflect on some of these really. Um, uh, complex things when we think about like the like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, uh, you know, I, <laughs> right. I I am in such a uh, wonderful place to be to be thinking about um, my career and and my professional identity because I have uh, food on the table because I have a yes. stable income in some ways and because I have um, uh, a roof over my head and uh, so I, I think it's a, a fine balance of of all those things and and so which is why i think will you answered the question in terms of it's <laughs> it's all those things mishmashed together um in a way that makes sense for me now i mean i also think like if i went on a different path you know i i i share with others that um i wanted to be an architect after um, graduating high school and i didn't get accepted for that and then i was pretty distraught even like um a semester into my undergrad and was like talking with a counselor like did I make the wrong decision or you know should it's not too late to kind of switch paths and and try to reapply for architecture you know had I pursued and continue going that down that route I probably would say at that point you know many years down the line I made the right decisions and I have Mm -hmm. you know like it all made sense and I would have a rationale for for why I was going down the route that I am so um so as to say, um, I think I am where I am because of the cumulative experience of, of, of everything that life has had to offer so far. Yeah, that's no, that's very well said, Yiping. And I think just even that that idea of the privilege that we have, um, you know, to be able to have conversations like this, to be able to reflect on our own experiences, um, you know, while you know, not needing to worry about the basic necessities. Um, I think that's in itself is a, it's a blessing um, for sure, um, and 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 I definitely agree. It's you know it's hindsight and looking back is it's like life happens in really mysterious ways, and we were led to where we are in in really complex ways that are you know it's better to not think about those you know for for our own you know sakes and our own sanity. Um, no, but I think I think that I think what you said it's I think it, it really does um, resonate a lot with you know myself and I'm sure the rest of the team here that it's much like the field of public health the you know the paths that individuals take to get there is so different mm-hmm. you know even just here amongst the three of us on, from public health insight and we come to public health with very different field from from very different fields different experiences all that good stuff so it's it just no, it's it's a, it's a really good testimony of you know just the broadness and the unique um, diversity that's in this field. You know, you've really provided us with a re- very solid foundation, and I, you know, I just throughout this this whole discussion, I've learned so much. I have like, just the insights have just been coming into my head just about like um, this field as as a whole. Like I I never like had. Uh, much exposure to phpm or even to be honest just the field of medicine in general but no this is, has been has been really great um shifting gears a bit here i want to touch on your experience as you know canada's youth delegate um you know like i was telling team here earlier 
Um, now, when I first met you, this would have been early, early 2020. Now, um, you know, you'd just been selected as Canada's um, delegate to the WHA, World Health Assembly, and the Pan American Health Organization's Directing Council, um, and that was you know, exactly like a year ago. And now, um, you know, as as we've worked together to kind of almost pass on the torch, it's time for us to to select um, a new, your successor for this role, and you know, someone to the next youth delegate i think it'd be valuable for our listeners to maybe hear a bit about your experiences in that role and not only some what you maybe some of your lessons learned but even some synergies that you might have um seen between uh, phpm global health policy um and you know kind of more forward looking um in that sphere definitely i'd be happy to share well um I can't help but think um, how you made a. I, I don't know if you're co- uh, cognizant that you made that great plug, but you were saying how you were getting so many insights, and uh, I can't <laughs> help <laughs> think that yeah. um, it's a great uh, podcast name. I like health insight. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Um, yeah, I think um, back to last year and how it was such a different world that we were living in you know the things that we didn't have to think about because you know public health often works in the background and when everything like goes according to plan as best you can um in terms of like health protection and um you know outbreak management then public health doesn't make the news but what we've seen this year is public health has made the news every day or almost every week and um, and it's scary, um, and 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 there has been so much suffering too over the past year and, and continually. Um, but hopefully, there's some light at the end of the tunnel with um, more vaccine rollout and um, and, and continued, um, you know, commitment from all community members um, as best they can to to do those COVID wise things of um, physical distancing, hand washing, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think back to how I, I reached out to the four previous youth delegates um, in the role uh, that came before me around a year ago, and they gave me really great insights into how best to take on the role um, from their experiences, but also giving me the space to kind of carve out um, an experience that made sense for me. And then I had to put it all in a box on the side and carve out my own path um, that made sense because everything changed. Uh, the um, meetings no longer took place in person, in a centralized location. The ways that people worked were so different um, in, in terms of how member states interact with the World Health Uh, organization um, interact at the World Health Assembly and the Pan American Health Organization Directing Council. All of that became into this virtual format and many member states across uh, the world and and progressively over the past year have been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic as a critical crisis um, to think about their own health systems and thinking about um, how best to support their peoples and the health and well-being of of their peoples. And um, all of that uh, really threw a wrench in how uh, the world, I think, 
saw the World Health Organization um, in terms of their role as a multilateral organization um, for advancing health equity, for advancing um, uh, the the containment, you know, uh, of the of the um, of, of, of communicable disease, of, of infectious disease, of, of of international significance, and um, and and we learned, especially in, in the early months of last year, uh, the politics that the nasty politics that came into play, and and how um, it you know when politics is done a certain way can do a lot of good for um, communities and peoples and. And when it's not done in a good way, um, then people suffer, and and we've seen that with the pandemic, and um, and so many comparisons with um, how different uh, countries have been able to be successful or not successful for various aspects of the pandemic in terms of like management of outbreaks or vaccine rollout. You know, the list kind of goes on. But I think if we take a step back from all of that some of the major lessons is you know things that we knew all along is that we're all interconnected we're mutually dependent on one another's successes and uh, we cannot um, separate out um, the well-being of one group from another Um, Mm -hmm. we have you know at at least when i was thinking about um, the role of the youth delegate early on last year is um, we're all uh, in this together in, in the sense that um, more than ever we recognize with a uh, emerging global pandemic that the decisions that are made in a certain country have effects on others because countries are just pieces of land and borders are so just arbitrary and mm-hmm. and um, so how do we leverage um the relationships that exist in these kinds of institutions and in, in a multilateral organization that is the World Health Organization, how how do we um, do that in a good way in, in a um, emergency situation such as a pandemic? And and I, I think I uh, was able to, to see a lot of that um, uh, play out um, through my involvement as the youth delegate, through uh, sitting in on uh, multiple meetings, either internally or with um, other member states, through um, uh, the like the WHO team at the Office of International Affairs for the Health Portfolio, um, or the PAHO team, which uh, you are on, Will, which is really <laughs> great to to see you in action at um, PAHO's uh, directing council in the fall of last year to see Will in action. And um, you know, like, like figuring out that there is like something wrong, or there's an issue to kind of point out, and like finding the material necessary to support that, and then seeing the immediate response with the team, and uh, in, in, in using that information um, in in a key kind of like um, decision making format. It was just like uh, quite exceptional to see how. Um, we have public health thinkers and leaders um, in all levels and in all ways. So that's really that was really cool um, to see. I would love to see and, Will in action yeah. too. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate those kind words, Yipeng. I think um, I, I really just want to. I think you you really nailed it on like the you, you hit the nail on the head uh, when you talked about you know, 
the, the, the political dimensions that come into play, um, you know, in whether it's local public health or um, global health at a multilateral level, right? Um, I think this even relates to one of our earlier points of you know, why why is there maybe such a, a low number of public health residents positions or uh, across the country? Um, I think we realize that at its at its core, you know, health is such a political issue, right? And you know, if if the political agenda is set in a certain way, that emphasis is placed on you know uh, primary care, or you know, in the case of 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 multilateral you know covid issue you know it's where i guess wherever the the, the, the needle is pointed i mean if you if you will that's i think where the bulk of the resources and time and capacity will be spent and i think you know um i remember during the directing council um you know i remember we were talking and you know we, we really saw just the, the, like you said, the, the real nasty polit- like the politics come in and really in, in a forum that's m- meant to be health focused, very technical, um, you know, like we're all working together here for solidarity. It's politics still creep in and, um, you know, it's, it manages to stir it up and mess it up. And I think it's, it's, it's as sad as it is. It just really shows how politics, um, and policy really is able to kind of have its fingers across all all spectrums and all sectors, right? Um, and even you're even going back to what you said earlier about how Dr. Tam said she she had access to more ministers during the COVID than any other time in her career. It's it it really is. It's like it's what did it take? It took a global pandemic um, with multiple lockdowns and border sh- um, closures in, in order for these different political kind of agencies departments to come together and finally um find a solution and hopefully you know um much like after sars in 2003 um you know we're able to t- come out of this stronger um with with a set of lessons learned in order to to better protect the health and well-being of canadians and you know, humanity as a whole for me this has been such a you know insightful conversation um and i'm sh- you know i'm sure Here we could can- insight <laughs> insight plug <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm sure we can you know continue this conversation on for hours if you know if time allowed it but um you know to to close off do you have any closing remarks you know for aspiring phpm physicians or public health prof- uh, professionals or just any individuals um you know words of encouragement um, tips best practices or you know just anything you want to kind of pass on forward to the next generation sure i can try that's quite um it's like a no pressure <laughs> moment there right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> loaded question <laughs> I mean, I think it's really exciting to know that um, people in general are thinking more about public health. Um, and no matter, uh, you know, what your pro- like professional, you know, uh, goals are um, and, and what your um, role is in society, they're like public health has its way of creeping into everything. Um, 100%. You know, when we think about health and well-being in its broadest terms, it's literally everything. And I think that's also part of the challenge when it comes to defining 
what are the clear cut roles and responsibilities of public health. Um, so that, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's a pro and a con there. Um, but I think it's just super exciting that um, the more and more people and um, no bias here whatsoever, obviously, being a PHPM trainee, I think the more people that we think about these things, we're actually all going to go in, in a better direction collectively. Um, when we have more uh, people thinking about health and social equity, when we have more people thinking about the causes of the causes and, and have that be more readily available knowledge and education to empower um, community members, to empower each other, um, then I, I only see good come from that. Like, what is the, what, what the, the end goal is, is equity and justice, I think. And, mm -hmm. and how, and, and also through reconciliation and through mm -hmm. truth telling and, and how, how do we get there is, is through more and more people, uh, jumping on the bandwagon that is almost like wokeness, I guess, <laughs> you know, like the, the more yeah. people that, that, um, understand that it's not individual choices or decisions that lead to someone being uh, in an at-risk or vulnerable situation. It's actually structural vulnerability, structural disadvantage, uh, intentional often uh, through systemic inequities and injustices, through policies, through decisions made politically, through choices on where funding and thing, how things are financed, that has made certain groups and communities uh, at a position uh, that um, uh, has, has made it so that they cannot attain their uh, highest degree of health and well-being. And that is just completely unacceptable. And and how do we actually tackle that in, in a good way that also you know, being very mindful of, of not burning oneself out and not uh, overburdening community members that have been uh, disproportionately affected by the inequities and injustices that you're trying to fight and, and also how it should be community driven, how it should be, um, uh, 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 um, how, how you should approach the work as an ally too. So I think um, all of the things that were taught in public health and all of the things that we practice in public health have so much value for every person and 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 also recognizing the privilege that it comes to when you think about some of these challenging issues and and sometimes it comes from a place of um, uh, having uh, people on your team that have lived experience and and having uh, people on your team uh, that come from it you know, from various angles for, for motivation. Um, but when we're able to align um, our goals and our mission for putting health and well-being at the top of the agenda, I only see uh, good coming from that. I, I think it was really interesting when we thought, thought about where this can be slotted in for like medical student education. Definitely it should be there. It's there. I think it also has lots of improvements uh, to be made. And, and I will try to do my part um, in that. But I also see, you know, how we think about collective well-being, how do we think about um, community well-being, that should be in, you know, the basic 
uh, education systems that we see uh, yeah. in, in in our communities. Um, so the responsibility is is on all of us to make sure Absolutely. that um, the decisions that any of us make, either professionally or um, in in our own personal lives. Uh, help our community because that is that is we we function in communities um and uh, we're all part of a society or a community um, or sometimes multiple and um how do we have that mindset um too for everyone to be able to to think of one another when um things are challenging and when things are not challenging how do we make things better um and how do we prevent crises from happening so i think um I don't know if I answered the question well, I realize, because it's not, you know, advice. It's more, I think, a reflection of, of, of what I'm excited for. But I, I think um, uh, with, and I think it's it's a silver lining in, in the pandemic. Uh, there's so many bad things about the pandemic these days. And um, and hopefully, as I mentioned, it, it, it gets better. Um, but one of the silver linings is young people um, of, of all ages um, are experiencing something that is so unique and hopefully only happens once in everyone's lifetime. And uh, with that like lived experience now, everyone has had their own kind of lived experience through what it means to go through a pandemic. What can that teach us about all the things that we talked about? And how can each one of us apply that either, you know, going into the field of public health or not and applying the things that we've learned um, so that something like this doesn't ever happen again. But we can also apply it for other crises that have not had the same attention that the COVID-19 pandemic has had. So I think that is the silver lining. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.